everybody. Welcome to the STD Project's Happy Hump Day podcast. I am Janelle Marie with the STD Project. I am the founder and administrator. And today we are talking about what's the big deal with STDs anyways. The point behind this podcast is to discuss really why it's so awkward. It's so taboo to talk about sex and STDs what that really means and why you don't hear people running around talking about having an STD like I do. Who does that, right? It's so funny, the interesting conversations I have with people about STDs and about me having an STD. And when I tell that story, it's amazing. The plethora of responses, some some are very similar and a lot of it's shock is the initial reaction. However, after that, People really are interested because they finally found someone who's willing to talk about it comfortably, who doesn't act incredibly strange, who isn't uncomfortable with the topic. All of a sudden, they can start asking the questions that they have had for years that have spun around in their head over and over again, whether they've had an STD or not. And it's amazing. I get the strangest of questions. People come to me with stuff that's not even related But because they know that they can talk to me about it and I'm not going to judge them, I'm not going to instantly characterize them as a certain kind of person because they're they're wanting to ask questions. They want to talk about STDs and sex and their life and their bodies, all of these kinds of things, right? So the deal with STDs in particular starts with a foundation of sex conversations and Sex conversations are very rare as well. And certain people can talk, girls especially like to talk about their bodies with their best girlfriends and what's going on and their periods and their boobs. And dudes talk about masturbating sometimes and the chick that they just banged and whatever. But it doesn't really get talked about very seriously, especially not sexual health and especially not how often people are getting tested for STDs and whether or not they're using protection and whether or not they had that conversation with their potential so-and-sos, that kind of thing. And why is that? I mean, it's really shocking to me because it's it's nearly frustrating in that when I start chatting with new people about this, the, the wealth of questions and how much they want to know and how much it opens everyone up to, oh my gosh, well, you know, I've always wondered about this and what do you think? And do you think this is strange about me? Or, you know, am I alone in this? And wow, you're the first person who's ever really talked about that. And it's baffling. It almost frustrates me. And I'm like, why is this really happening? Why is why is it so uncomfortable for people? And why are people made to feel like they can't talk about this or they shouldn't talk about it? And that's just it. Part of it is because it wasn't talked about. So what I mean by that is it wasn't talked about in, in their upbringing, in an individual's upbringing, in their family relationships. And it's a cycle. It's a repeated cycle that continues if a parent doesn't know how to talk to their child about sexual health, STDs, all of those things, and you never really had those initial conversations that may or may not have felt rather awkward when you were in those teen years with your parents, then you're not going to feel comfortable talking about them either. So part of it is learned behavior that, well, it's just not something we talk about. I don't want to hear about my parents having sex. Ew, that's gross, you know, that kind of thing. So it doesn't get talked about, but then there's some deeper rooted issues of why that still, why that didn't get talked about in a home situation and why that doesn't continue. Part of it is 
religious and cultural background, uh, we're made to feel very guilty oftentimes, especially people with really deep religious background and beliefs. Um, a lot of different factions make, make sexual activities out to be bad things, and they can only happen between a man and a woman, and that can only happen as well once you're married. And while I can, I totally respect that, and if that's your belief and that is what you're aiming for, and you only want to participate and engage in an activity with someone, a sexual activity, once you're married, that's phenomenal and I applaud that. That's a wonderful, respectable belief. But it doesn't mean that talking about it and understanding your sexuality and what's actually going on with your body when you do start engaging in those things and what your risks could be, even so, even if you are trying to find someone who's uh, reserving their virginity for marriage, it's still really imperative that you have that good communication because the more you communicate with one another, as funny as it may seem initially, the better your sex is long-term in the bedroom. So whether that's with someone you're married to or you know just that new random partner, whoever you are. So there's, of course, and this isn't new information to anybody, I'm sure, but there's that there's that religious guilt, you know, and not, it's not always religious either. So I certainly don't want to make religion or people who are spiritual out to be bad people or that that's a bad way to go about living your life. It certainly is not. It can be very wonderful and rewarding. Just in general, can preclude people from really wanting to chat about that sexuality because of the social control behind some of that. And then that's not always even religious. Oftentimes it's cultural too. Certain different cultures may not talk about those kind of things. It's inappropriate. You never talked about it again. Some of that's that learned behavior from parental, that kind of thing. And it just isn't something that gets talked about openly and that it just never does. So it's social. It's a way to to inhibit those activities. It's thought that if, whether this is religious or cultural, if we don't talk about it and we discourage the conversation, then that will also discourage the activity. So it's a kind of a form of social control as well, why people don't talk about sex as often or as comfortably as they should. And then another con contributor is your abstinence-only education. Less than half of all U.S. states currently mandate HIV and sex ed. And even the ones that do, oftentimes it's abstinence-only education. Unfortunately, abstinence-only education is proven not to reduce risk or sexual activity. There's been study on top of study talking about that abstinence-only education just ensues fear, guilt, and lack of knowledge. And uh, when, that's, when that occurs, people then are reticent to ask the questions that are necessary once they do begin to engage in sexual activities. And usually they engage in sexual activities before they're being encouraged to do so because people are exploring, especially as teens, your hormones are raging and you're interested. And so you go out and it almost makes makes for double lives in, in that people publicly are portraying a certain image and then behind closed doors, they're doing other things. But because they can't talk about it because of some of those religious and cultural implications, been being made to feel guilty about things, not having the, the knowledge initially from some abstinence-only education that makes them continue or continue it's it's, it's it's this unending cycle and where they continue to not talk about it and not ask the questions they need to and not even do a lot of the research even though people can privately do research that still doesn't happen either 
it makes for very unhealthy sexuality and sexual health. And the sexual health then is absolutely not there whatsoever because if you're not comfortable in some form with your sexuality, with your body, and with what is actually happening, what's healthy, what what are risks, all of those things, that's unhealthy sexuality and unhealthy, it's not sexual health. One huge statistic that I think needs to be emphasized here, which is one of the most shocking ones. It just came out um, somewhat recently in the last year and a half or so from the CDC. One out of every four teen girls has an STD. Now, the study that they did, that includes 14 to 19-year-old teen girls, and that only included the STDs HPV, chlamydia, trichomoniasis, or shortened as trick, or herpes. So, when you consider that there are around 30 or so STDs, according to the World Health um, Health Organization, that's then the number would be quite a lot higher if they were including all of those additional STDs. The STD project talks about a whole health, wealth of a bunch of other STDs as well. So if we're only talking about those four, and one out of every four teenage girls has one of those four STDs, can you imagine how high that percentage actually is. To boot, one in two African-American teenage girls, so 50% African-American teenage girls are even more adversely affected because of societal and social issues and barriers to healthcare. It's it's like, it's shocking. It's mind-blowing. I'm like, mind blown instantly when you think that this is so common, yet no one can talk about it. People feel very uncomfortable talking about sex. Not only do they feel uncomfortable talking about sex because of those social issues, the social control, the media influence, there's sex everywhere, but we can't talk about it. Strange. Um, And that fear and that guilt and the lack of knowledge that was instilled early on and the lack of conversation that happens in households, all of a sudden, all of these people are contracting STDs and no one's talking about it. And and I just want to shake people. Why? Why aren't we talking about this? And it's proven when you do teach things other than abstinence-only education that kids make less risks and teenagers and adults make less risks, take less risks, and they actually start having sex at a later age and they're more conscientious of the things that they that are necessary to practice safer sex. So then we wrap this all up into, so there's your foundation, the reason why people don't talk about sex in particular. However, there are so many people now that we know that one out of 14 girls has either HPV, chlamydia, trick, or herpes then why don't people talk about STDs in particular? What's the actual big, big, big deal with STDs? And really, there shouldn't be. I guess that's what I'm trying to argue here, is that humans are susceptible to diseases and infection, and in fact, it's one of our only adversaries. It's one of the only things that can actually kill us. We don't have predators like tigers coming after us every day and eating our faces or something. It just doesn't happen, right? So our only environmental factor that impacts us is those infections and diseases and they're prevalent everywhere. Who's getting sick? Who has a cold right now? A sniffly nose. Most STDs or a lot of STDs I should say are very similar to the common cold. They either are eradicated by a healthy immune system naturally or they can be treated via an antibiotic. There are some that are lifelong of course and there are some that can have more more problematic implications. But not all of them, and they're so common that 
we need to start thinking of them along those lines. They're just another disease and infection. And sure, we're not going to line up to, you know, contract your herpes. And nobody's lining up at my door wanting to contract herpes from me, it, which is the same. I'm not lining up at anybody else's door saying, hey, sneeze on me real quick. I can't wait to have a cold. But they're very similar. It's along the same lines, right? And that's because people don't talk about STDs because they don't talk about sex. And that most STDs are commonly a result of sex or they could be a result of sex even further makes that scarier because instantly you are, that's an indicator of your behavior. That's an indicator that you've been having sex. So if you naturally have some of those guilty foundations and that fear and the lack of knowledge that was established early on um, because of whether it's religious, social, cultural, influences, then instantly you're not going to want to talk about STDs either, right? But again, they're so common. This is why they should be talked about. And at the STD project, what's awesome is that no question is too perverse. No question is too taboo. No question is stupid. And you're welcome to ask whatever you'd like and talk about whatever you like. And only then can we really start to break down the information barrier and say, here's the factual information. Here's how to protect yourself, how to practice safer sex. And if something, if you do end up contracting something, this is why it's also not the end of the world. This is what you can do about it. Here's how you either cure it or manage it. And here's how you go about living your life, communicating to potential partners, whether they're going to have a risk or not, all of those things. It's really not the end of the world. And once you start talking about it, just like I said at the beginning of this podcast, It's amazing how many people want to ask questions and want to talk about it and want to say, wait, oh, you know, that rings a bell. Like, I really was wondering about this and nobody else is willing to talk to me about it or I don't feel like anybody else is going to talk to me about it without judging me and without saying I'm a bad person or I'm a slut or I'm a whore because I'm curious about this. And in our house, we say herpes so often and among my friends that I really think it's, it's, it's amazing how it becomes less and less taboo the more you talk about it. It's an everyday conversation that we have and that I have with friends and family that it's no longer odd. And that's exactly what happens if you talk about things, if you make it okay, comfortable to have constructive, healthy dialogue about these very important issues affecting so many people, one out of 14 girls, one out of two African-American teen girls, it, it stops being so scary. It stops being this crazy big deal. Whoa, she just said herpes, you know. None of that happens when you talk about it on a regular basis. When you talk about it on the regular, it becomes regular and it's no longer abnormal. And the people who aren't talking about it and aren't making that a priority, sexual health and being comfortable with one's sexuality, however you identify your sexuality, when you're not talking about that readily, this is where problems happen. And obviously, because of that high number of people contracting STDs, there's obviously an issue here and people who need to talk about it. So at the STD Project, we do. And you're welcome to ask any questions that you have. Anything on your mind is not too strange and not too weird and not too perverse. So always feel free to respond in the questions, hop online to the website and respond in the comments or send me a private message via the contact form. You can also uh, communicate via the forum and ask a question or respond to people who are already asking questions. All of that is open. Next week, we will be talking about the Relationship Survival Guide to Living with an STD, which is a new book. It's an ebook that I'm writing 
and it will be launching next week, Wednesday. So that's pretty exciting. It kind of delves into the details of living with an STD in terms of relationships and dating again. And the following week, we will have some guests in for an interview. So should you like to talk with me on a podcast, ask me some questions, or vice versa, have me ask you some questions about whatever topic related to STD sexual health that you'd like, feel free to comment or send me a message in the contact form as well on the website. On the top bar of the website, it says contact. Contact me there. It goes right to my email, and we can discuss topics for a next an upcoming podcast. I'd love to hear your ideas. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.